Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are going to be in Luke chapter 19 and some of Luke chapter 20. We'll be in some of 19 and then some of 20. Hopefully, we'll get through the entire 20th chapter. But let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get right into the Word of God. Father, we bless you today. We thank you, Father, for your Word. Your Word is life. Your Word is truth. Your Word is perfect. Enlighten our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we'll give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord, open our hearts now to receive uh, your word, and we give you praise in the wonderful, powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to be in the Passion Week of the Lord Jesus. We'll get into part of it. And I know that this is going to be a very exciting study today because we're in the Word of God, and the Word of God is very exciting. So we'll begin in Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 28. And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he was come near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in which at your entering in you will find a coat tied, whereon yet never sat man. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask of you, why do you loose him? You shall say unto them, because the Lord has need of him. And they that were sent went their way and found, even as it had been said, and as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said to them, Why do you loose the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. And so they brought the colt to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon it, and they sat Jesus on it. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. Now remember, this is a great crowd that has gathered around Jesus as he was traveling. And as he was entering into Jerusalem, this great crowd that he had traveled with all the way uh, beginning in Capernaum uh, is now uh, walking with Jesus, rejoicing with Jesus, because they recognize at that moment that he is someone who uh, the Jews called the Messiah, the king of Israel, and for a lot of different reasons, not for the same reasons that we look at Jesus as the Messiah, the King of Israel, but uh, they're looking for a an earthly king, someone who is going to throw off the shackles of Rome and restore Israel to its glory. Now, verse 37, and when he was come near, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples Notice that the whole multitude of the disciples, we're, we're speaking of more than just 12. We're speaking of many, many more who were followers of Jesus. And so I want to ask you a question. Uh, these started out as disciples and followers of the Lord Jesus. How many were there at Golgotha? How many were there at Calvary? How many were there to plead on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ? Very, very few. And so what does that speak to us? It speaks to us that 
the reward doesn't go to those who begin. The reward goes to those who finish strong. And this reminds me of King Asa in the Old Testament and how that Asa was a good king. He started out strong. He started out depending solely and wholly upon the Lord Jesus. And and the Lord brought him. Now, I said, Lord Jesus, you know, um, we're talking about uh, God. And uh, we'll just say Jehovah God granted him great reward, established him as king, blessed him. Uh, his reign was a, a reign uh, full of the blessing of Jehovah. But towards the end of his ministry, see, he turned. And he got to the point to where he was not trusting in his God at all. He was not trusting in Jehovah. For instance, Solomon. Solomon started out great. But towards the end of his life, who was he trusting in? He wasn't trusting in Jehovah. He actually had apostatized. He was worshiping the idols of his many, many wives. So for you and for I, it's not how we start. It's how we finish. Once again, the parable of the sower, the stony, the seed that fell among stony soil. Talking about the hard heart, the heart that initially receives the word of God. But because the way gets tough, and let me tell you something, Jesus never promised that following him would be easy. And so when the going goes tough, when Mark, as Mark records, when persecution and affliction arises for the word's sake, immediately they're offended. That word offended means immediately they go back into sin. They throw their hands up and they quit. Well, that person, he may have genuinely received the Lord, but he's not going to get a reward. You see, the reward goes to those who finish the race stronger than when they started. And so ask yourself a question, those of you that work a regular job. Do you work harder for the company or for your manager or for your employer when he is away as when he is there in your presence? See, the Lord has gone away. He's been away now for 2,000 years. But he's still present. His spirit is still present with us. Do we work only for him while we're in church service in front of uh, people who uh, know us? Do we work harder for the Lord when we're away out of their presence? Remember, Jesus says, if you if you do good deeds only to be seen of men, that's your reward. That's our reward. That's my reward. If all I, all I do is appear to be a follower of Jesus when I'm in church service. But then outside of church service, I act like somebody, you know, who really doesn't know the Lord or who doesn't care. Then what I have done, I have already received my reward but I will not receive reward in heaven. And so going back, verse 30, and Jesus, he tells the disciples to go get a donkey. He gets the donkey. They put him on. And as he was entering into the province of Jerusalem and entering into the gates of Jerusalem, 
We'll pick up verse 36. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come near, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples, once again, a whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and to praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had been, that they had seen. And they were saying, Blessed be the king that comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said, Master, rebuke your disciples. There was even Pharisees traveling along with the Lord Jesus as he was entering into Jerusalem. They knew exactly what he was doing. To sit upon a donkey and to enter into the, the province or to the gates of Jerusalem was a symbol of coming to them in peace, coming to the nation of Israel in peace. And Jesus answered and he said to them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, these that are crying out, the stones would immediately begin to cry out. And when he came near, he beheld the city and he wept over it. And he said this, if you had known, even you, speaking to not just to Jerusalem, but the Israelite nation, at least in this day. Notice he says, at least in this, thy day. They had the opportunity. Jehovah God had given them the opportunity right then to receive, their, to receive his son, his only begotten son. And so Jesus said, at least in this, thy day, the things which belong unto your peace. The gospel is the gospel of peace. Jesus Christ came into this world to bring peace. But in bringing peace, he first had to bring a sword. And believe me, the gospel divides. It unites those who surrender to Jesus at the cross. It divides the families among those that accept Jesus and among those that reject him. And we must understand, all of us must understand, before there comes a revelation of God working through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, there first has to be a confrontation. See, for many of these, as Jesus was entering into the gates of Jerusalem, there were few, very few, that received the revelation. But Jesus came first to confront the nation of Israel with himself. The gospel does confront us. But if we're willing to humble under the mighty hand of God, Christ, through the Holy Spirit, will reveal himself to that individual. That happened to me on October the 13th, 1971, on a Wednesday night. Getting around nine o'clock at night. The gospel being preached, the Holy Spirit convicted me, confronted me of the sin in my life. And I realized for the first time, you know, that I'm a sinner. I am not a good person. I am not ready to go to heaven. And when I humbled myself, as millions upon millions of people have done, when confronted with the gospel, 
if we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and are willing to bow our hearts and our knees before the Master, the Lord Jesus Christ, bow before the cross, meet Jesus at the cross, there comes a revelation of God's love and His willingness to reach out His hand and pull us into the ark of safety. Hallelujah. Amen. So here's this great multitude of disciples. They're saying, Blessed be the King that comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said, Master, rebuke thy disciples, because they knew what this multitude of disciples were quoting. They were quoting the 118th Psalm. It's a messianic psalm. It's a psalm that is sung blessing the Messiah who is to come. And of course, Jesus answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. I'm telling you, all creation is groaning and travailing, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, which is coming upon this earth, coming upon this world very shortly. And when Jesus was come near, he beheld the city and then he wept over it. And he said to them, for the days will come upon you, O nation of Israel, upon you, Jerusalem, that your enemies shall cast a trench about you and compass you round about and will keep thee in on every side. And they shall lay even to the ground every stone and your children within you. And they'll not leave one stone upon another because you knew not the time of your visitation. And I want to ask everyone within the sound of my voice this question. Are you missing your time of visitation? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? Well, sure I would. Well, let me ask you another question. If you were to die and Jesus were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would your answer be? See, these are the things that we have to ask ourselves. And walking around in the public, I, I, I make it a purpose to elderly people to ask them these questions. And it is truly amazing to me how elderly people that are just a few years from the grave won't take the time to consider these questions, whether or not they can answer them correctly. The time is short. Elderly people, if you're, old, if you're my age or older, you don't have too many days left on this earth. And so here's the crowd. They're quoting Psalm 118. They're quoting a messianic victory song of the Messiah and his victory over all of Israel's enemies. And here we are, less than a week hence, that Jesus is going to pay the highest price, a ransom, for each and every person, everyone born of woman, the penalty for their sin, that if they'll humble themselves and kneel before the cross, God, because of his great mercy 
and because of his great love wherewith he loves us, even though we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here's Jesus. He enters into Jerusalem. He walks into the temple area. And then being at, you know, late in the day, he leaves and then makes the two mile trek back to Bethany where he's going to spend the night. Now, this is Matthew's account. Let's go ahead and read it. Matthew 27, beginning in verse one. And when they drew near to Jerusalem and were coming to the village of Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples and he said to them, go into the village and straightway you'll find a colt and an ass tied. Loose them and bring them to me. And if any man say unto you, why are you doing this? You, you will reply, the Lord has need of them and straightway he will send them along with you. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled, spoken by the prophet saying, tell you the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming unto you, meek and sitting upon an ass and the colt, the foal of an ass. And of course, the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. And they brought to him the ass and the colt and they put on these beasts of burden. They put on their clothes and they got Jesus to sit up thereupon and a great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved. Many of them saying, who is this? See, at this time of the festival, there were multitude of Jews coming from all over Israel and from the outermost regions. Many of them had never heard of Jesus. Many of them have ne had never sat and listened to his teaching. And they didn't know who Jesus is. You know, I remember the great Brownsville revival and how that revival went on for five years. The, the strength of it went on for five years. And meetings went on after that. And you know, people living in the Pensacola area, when evangelists would go out onto the streets and they would talk to the people, many of them had never heard of the Brownsville revival. Think about that. Think about what God was doing in that wonderful city. The wonderful things God was doing. The people being saved. The people being healed. Uh, families being restored. And uh, people being delivered and set free. Just a wonderful move of the power of Almighty God. And yet people in that, in that city, many of them may be blocks away from the church where the revival was going on, had never heard about what God was doing. And that's true. God may be moving in your city. He may be moving in your community. But if you block out the working of the church and what God is doing in the community, when God does move, you'll never hear about it. 
And if you do hear about it, it's only because of the mercy and the grace of God. Because he wants you to know that he's present. So here's this great cloud. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And the whole city, they were moved. And many said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. That is amazing, isn't it? I tell you, tremendous move of God. This is what Jesus did in entering through the city of Jerusalem. That was the move of God. And many people objected to it and they missed it. And let me say to those that are listening to the sound of my voice, don't miss your day of visitation. Please, for mercy's sake, do not miss your day of visitation. When Jesus comes and knocks upon the door of your heart, open up the door to him. Because you don't know, you may not have another opportunity. And so going back to Luke's gospel now, and when he went into the temple, he began to cast out them that sold. This is the following day. This is on Monday. So he goes into the temple first thing early in the morning. And he begins to cast out them that sold therein and them that bought. And he said to them, it is written, my house is the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. So part of God's intent for Israel was for them to be a nation that prayed, that communed with him. And they did that to a certain degree. But see, you can pray. You can have a regular time of prayer. You can have prayer in the morning. You can have prayer at night. But prayer does not guarantee that you're going to meet Jesus. Many nations pray. Many churches pray. But they pray in such a place, in such a way, that the Holy Spirit doesn't come, come and join them. And so while they're praying, uh, they're missing the Savior. He's passing by. Praying in the name of Jesus, praying the word of God will ensure. And of course, not praying out of your head, praying out of your heart will ensure that when Jesus passes by, you're not going to miss him. So part of God's intent for Israel was for them to be a nation that prayed, and, but not just a, a church, uh, uh, a nation that prayed, but a nation that communed with him. That's what the altar's for. But see, Israel, they had made an, a ritual out of God's revelation of himself to them. And what they did is they lost the vital reality of their union with him through the covenant. Israel was called to be a light unto the Gentile nations and to draw them into fellowship with God the Father. But they failed in their mission. They took everything that God did for that nation. They separated themselves from the world. And they kept all of this great revelation. They just kept it unto themselves. Israel failed in their mission. Read Deuteronomy chapter 4, the first nine verses. This is the mission that God sent Israel to fulfill. Jesus now, he comes, and he calls himself the light of the world. 
But he also said this, men love darkness rather than light. And the reason why? Because they don't want to be reproved for their sin. And you see that all through society today. Then in 70 A.D., the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed because they missed their time of visitation. And the Levitical sacrifices and the worship under the old covenant ceased. But now here it is. Through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the temple was moved out of a building and entered into the hearts of believers, both individually as the priesthood and corporately as the church of God. And now we are the temple of God. We are the place where God dwells. And when we come together to worship, the Spirit of God is in that place, whether it be a regular church of worship, whether it be out in a field, whether it be in a barn, wherever the people of God are in the woods, wherever the people of God meet to worship Him, He is in their midst. And God created this temple called the temple of the living God. He created this temple to be a place of prayer for all nations. And we are called that temple. Amen. And so what Israel was called to, to pray and to commune with God, the church today is has that same calling upon it to pray and to commune with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus taught daily in the temple during Passion Week. But did the chief priests sit down and submit themselves to the teaching of the Master? No. While Jesus was teaching about the love of God, about the patience of the Scriptures, and about full devotion, full devotion and submission to Jehovah God and recognizing Him as the Messiah and receiving Him as Messiah. The chief priests and the scribes, we're talking about the religious crowd. We're talking about organized religion that has set itself against the works of God. At the time Jesus was teaching, they were counseling one another how they, they could destroy Him. And that's what it is today. See, there's three, there's three kinds of churches. There's the church, the blood-bought church, the church that is in the way, the church that is preaching the gospel, preaching the word of God, the church that is uh, showing signs and wonders through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the victorious church. Then there's the church that is compromised. Oh, they preach the word of God, but yet... They're, they're more in the world than they are in Christ. You see, there's vacillating. They're halted between two opinions. Do I go with the word of God or do I go with what's convenient? Because anybody that's going to stick to the word of God, anyone that's going to preach the pure gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. They're going to suffer persecution. They will suffer affliction. And there's coming a day where you and I will be called upon, will be called upon the carpet to answer to the authorities, the hope that we have in us. But there's a third part. 
And that's the church that is fully compromised, that has turned its back on the gospel, that no longer preaches the gospel, that no longer honors the Lord Jesus Christ. And they have fully connected themselves. They have fully come into union with this world. And that's sad. That's very sad. We're called to love not the world, neither the things in the world. If many, any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the love, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, all this is in the world. And John said this, but the world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God, he will abide forever. So I admonish you, if you're listening, you are within the sound of my voice and you're a thoroughly born again child of God, you still continue to communicate. Amen. Stick to the word of God. Don't move to the left or to the right. Stay with the word of God. Stay in communion with the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of those in the world. Amen. That want to confront you. Just remember, they confronted Jesus. Jesus, if you hold true to him, he will always support you. He will comfort you. Read concerning the life of Paul. Many things that he went through, but they couldn't stop him. And he'll not. And they and the, the world will not stop you if you'll stay true to Jesus and straight stay true to the word of God. Heavenly Father, we bless you. We thank you today for your word, Lord. And we ask you, let the word of God. Father God, just pierce our heart and our very soul. And Lord, we commit to you that we're going to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.